Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we are talking with teachers who are using VR in the classroom obviously, to make a huge difference. So these two teachers are pushing the boundaries of innovation, and they're blazing a path for other teachers to follow when it comes to adopting VR and immersive learning tools. So Turge Peterson from Norway has been teaching for approximately 14 years, and he's been using Oculus Quest headsets in various schools for learning engagements. And we also have on the show Kim Arberg from Norway, of course, and he's a teacher who's got huge interest in gamification and VR and was a formal former Google Workplace Specialist. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so much. I always like to start with an origin story. It is often interesting to see how people actually got interested or involved in virtual reality. So let's start with Turge. Turge, what got you fascinated with VR as a tool for the classroom? Uh, I think it all started when we were building a future learning lab. We've been using like computer games uh, in class for a couple of years. And then it was in the beginning we with the Oculus Quest um, because I felt like virtuality before the Quest was a little bit harder to, it required so much um, stuff and so much uh, hardware to, to get in use but we saw with oculus quest it was now much more available so it's mainly and i tried the oculus quest headsets and really got me thinking this is a tool that really can um, give my uh, classroom uh, something brand new something exciting something that really get the student motivated for learning how about you kim how did you get excited or interested in this great new medium yeah, for me, uh, it started with uh, augmented reality. Actually, I was uh, playing around with uh, AR and was trying to get my students more engaged. Uh, and uh, working with AR, I came across the first Google Cardboard uh, solution. Uh, didn't like that too much because it was dependent on mobile phones. Uh, so in order to, to really get things going, uh, Taria, of course, introduced me to the Oculus platform, and then I could implement it in uh, much easier together with my my students. So it started with AR and developed into VR. Gentlemen, the the delivery in a school of VR is all over the map. So there's a variety of different models and approaches to how schools might bring VR into the school. So some schools might put headsets into a certain area or department, like dedicate, you know, so many headsets just to science or math. Some will put them into like a cart on wheels and then teachers can book them depending on how they see VR fit into their curriculum. And then, you know, a third model I've seen out there, which I'm actually using at my school as well, is to have like a dedicated space, almost like a, a VR lab and 
you can send kids there in small groups of eight or seven, depending on the headsets that you have. Which approach, Turge, are you guys using at your school and what are the pros and cons to it? Yeah, we we built a future learning lab, um, mainly because we also needed uh, the internet speed. Uh, and um, so we needed online for the internet connected to Oculus Quest. So we, we have a designed room for this. That also helps because every all the equipment are there, so it's easy to use. You just go down and book the room, and then it's ready for use. Then we have workshop with the different um, different tools that you can be using with virtuality. So for us, it's we put it down like a future learning lab where we have all the Oculus Quest together with computer games and so on. So we put everything in our own designated room. And does it get booked often, or is it a slow a slow process to get? You know, obviously you're using it with your classroom and possibly, uh, you know, you start to make other teachers interested, but how do you get more teachers and kids outside of just your world into there? Uh, it, it was slow in the beginning, but as more teachers, as you show the, the, the possibilities, I think more teachers are getting more engaged into it. I think that's one of the important aspects of it. You have to be showing them how to use it because it, it doesn't come with like a teacher manual. It's all up to you. So I think it just by giving them an example of use in class uh, and use with is connected to a curriculum, not just something that due to make a fun and exciting uh, session. It's You can use it as a tool for reaching the curriculum. I think that's also an important aspect of it that they understand that this is not just something you do to to get the kids engaged in, in one minute and then it's over and something they do next to the, the curriculum, but something that can enhance learning. I think that's something that's very important for me. But all the tools that we're using are something that enhance learning. I think that is something that we do at our school. We have like teach meet and so on where you can show the good example of use of virtuality inside the classroom. How about you, Kim? What is your experience with this? Yeah, I'm also in the third option that you mentioned, where we have a, a designated area for VR in, in the school. Um, this is something that makes it more accessible, I think. Uh, it also has uh, the VR sets are in a case, so they are mobile. So if the teachers or the kids want to take them to another room, there's no problems or issues with it. Uh, so I think that's a good way to implement uh, new technologies to create a space so that the kids can go into the space and then utilize the technology that they have uh, available. Also, uh, I think that uh, when you asked if the room gets booked a lot, uh, I think it's a slow start. I wouldn't say that it does get booked a lot, but uh, when teachers see the possibilities... Uh, and see how easy they can access the the tools, then uh, gradually uh, there will be a higher use uh, of VR in schools. Navigating the Oculus menu with the store and what someone sees in the headset can be a little overwhelming. Do you guys, is that the launching pad right now for you when you have a kid put the headset on? Are they inside? the um the oculus menu or have you uh, adopted some sort of third party like arbor xr or manage xr where you can actually shut them out of that and then just put apps that you feel 
are pertinent to their curriculum. Now we use the, the Oculus Quest the, the, regularly, and I think for my students, is it like the first one or two times there's a problem? Otherwise, they mainly do it straight away. I feel like they just have to learn how to navigate. I think that's also an important aspect of that they actually know. And the kids do this really fast. I don't feel this is a big problem. Uh, it takes one or two times, and then they're, they're familiar with the, the Oculus Quest. Uh, so for me, that's not a big issue that they are not or that it, you can't really control them. I feel like by just looking at them, I can understand if they're on <laughs> task or not. Um, yeah, and hearing hearing what's going on in the headset, it, yeah. I doesn't feel that's a, a big issue with it. I think that's. Uh, I think it's a very easy tool to use. Um, they quickly understand how to use it. Kim, how about your experience? Uh, yeah, we, we well, I, I teach younger kids than Taya does, so... Uh, for me, it's been important to model the Quest Store uh, in advance. So we use uh, the the stream option mm-hmm. in the Quest. So we cast it to to a screen so that the children that are going to use it for the first time they can see me navigate through the store and find the apps that they they're supposed to use in the curriculum. So it's that has been something that is very easily uh, adopted by, mm. by the kids. So that's a perfect way to do it, I think. I'm very lucky in that we had a bunch of spare iPads that no one was using. And so I ended up creating separate accounts for all the Quest headsets. And then there's a little iPad on the feet of the chair that they're sitting where I cast each headset to the iPad so that as whoever the teacher is supervising the kids, they can just see what's on the iPad and kind of walk around. And if they need help or, you know, if they wanted to, kind of nanny or uh, make sure that they're doing what they're having to do. But, you know, that's a bit atypical. I wouldn't say every school has access to that many sort of devices or iPads to be able to watch or monitor them that way. No, that's that's also a great tip, I think, if you have access to it. Let's move on to content, which is, you know, can be a struggle also. Finding content that aligns to the curriculum isn't always easy. You know, many well-designed VR experiences aren't in some sort of Netflix-like area. So uh, let's start with you, Turge. What kind of VR applications are you currently using with your kids to align to your curriculum? We, we don't like traveling while black. Um Anna Frank's house. We're doing Anna Frank's house in a couple of weeks because we're doing Second World War and the Holocaust. Uh, but we also did like Ghost Giant in in English, where we did like uh, reading and writing. We we watched play the game and then they made stories of who they met and then all those sort of things. But we also did did um, several of the videos when we did nine eleven. There is um, uh, experience where you can experience what it was like to be inside the twin towers. Uh, we did a Everest project, uh, and we also did one of the experiences connected to the Everest. So we've done different things like that. But we also we also met a lot of people inside Engage and Rumi. So we met teachers and students from all over the world uh, inside virtuality. So we've been using it in various topics, but uh, and we're using creative writing and so on. I, I love the notion of virtual reality interviews like you alluded to. Um, you know, I think we all had Zoom fatigue during the pandemic. And <laughs> I'm sure 
some of the kids must have just been a bit in awe when it came to actually interviewing someone and seeing their avatar and being able to actually, you know, see some of their actions as they're talking to them. Give give me one, Turge, give me one specific interview that you did and how that went. Yeah, we, we did, um, we talked about the Black Lives Matter demonstration in the U.S. Uh, and then we connected uh, with uh, a person that had just went through a organized demonstration in Baltimore. Uh, so we met him inside rec room. So I brought like six of my students uh, and then they had prepared questions before we came in. And then we sat down there in like avatars, as you said. So it uh, takes like the first five to 10 minutes. They're jumping around and doing the emoji. <laughs> and once it's uh, always a little bit uh, in the beginning, he's always like, okay, will this work? And then he, he suddenly appears and it, they getting really serious again and sitting down and then they're talking and it feels so real when it's doing the avatar and you're talking, looking at emotion and so on. I think that the students were really, really happy after doing this. And this one was one of the, the, the really experience that stuck to their mind because it, it felt so real. Uh, and then it, it also that they are talking to somebody that are doing the things we are, we learning about in class. I think the, they feel it, it plays really with the emotion too. It, it, they really remember this one. It's something that would connect to deep learning. That when I meet them in outside of schools, there's something that still talk about. That this this is something that they really remembers. Mm, I concur. Kim, how about you? Any other notable VR applications that you feel have worked really well at the school you're at? Yeah, yes, I would. I would like to point out the Frame VR uh, experience that we had. Uh, we have been using Frame uh, in and out of the VR headset. Uh, the nice thing about that one is that the students can produce their own VR material, but it's also similar where you walk around with your avatar and you can meet other people. So we did a project together with a museum in New York, Brooklyn, where we tried out uh, visual thinking strategies together with a teacher from, from the U.S. and uh, some of the people from Frame VR. And I had my students looking at uh, art pieces and they were talking about what they were seeing and and he walked them through the, the visual thinking strategy method. And that was uh, something I don't think is too easy to to create or, or um, manage if you don't have that kind of tool. So I, that was a very good experience for us and something that we continued to use throughout the, the school year. So that was very good for us. With Frame VR, I know the free version allows 15 people. Is that the version you're using or did you end up kind of negotiating a deal with Frame to allow more than 15 participants in a room? Uh, we started out with 15 and then we negotiated, so uh, we got it up to 30. Mm. And that was actually no problem at all uh, for Frame. Uh, they are, are, of course, offering this. If you if you know that you can negotiate uh, it with them, then you, you will easily have them up the, uh, the limit. Amazing. The other thing that... Uh, again, I did a bit of reading on the wonderful stuff that you guys are doing, thanks to an article that Terje sent me. And so I know students in Norway are also uh, learning English, and it's obviously English as a second language. And I saw uh, a little vignette or write-up 
I think it was Turge, your kids were using VR as a way to differentiate their lessons. And you met up with, uh, I think it was Michael from Gold Lotus. Yeah. And they learned from him in VR to learn English. Tell us a bit about that experience. Yeah, we, we met uh, Gold and Michael by several occasions. Uh, we had done, like, we did the Native American project he, inside frame. And then we visited different areas um, uh, around the world. And he talked about us. Um, and uh, we also did like a science project. We uh, visited CERN uh, in Switzerland. And um, he talked with the students. So we had a group of students joining him. Uh, and then they learned English from him. And he talked about the different words. And uh, so we had different groups with students talking to him. Uh, at uh, a regular basis so it's uh, and they really really liked it because it was in avatar he met him and he's a really really great teacher so it was something that was out of the ordinary so i put different kind of students together and then they had various topics depending on the the skill level of the students Uh, so it was uh, amazing the kind of work he did with them Uh, and they really loved this one you know, this is a good example of how, you know, we can tap into VR to get experts, especially uh, Michael McDonald's been on my show a couple times and he's such a, a gifted orator, which means he's so good at, <laughs> at speaking and making it interesting. He, you know, he should have been on a radio show because he's got such a soothing voice. Yeah. And so being able to tap into talented people like that when they're nowhere near Norway is another superpower of VR and, and kudos to you for seeking out opportunities like that for your kids to enhance and get them even more interested. I love that. Yeah. I think that there is so many possibilities out there. I think you just need to find and connect with the right people. I think that's also very important uh, with people like Michael's is such a great, a teacher to talk to in person so there is so many possibilities if you just dare to take them because it's something that I'm not that familiar with virtuality especially in the beginning I think that's also something that other people believe you have to be an expert in virtuality to use it but uh, often I use my students to learn stuff too I tell them this is what I want to be doing can you help me and they run into it and try to find solution for you hmm. well said Lots of teachers are worried about covering curriculum that, you know, either their country or state or province mandates, and then sometimes they have to do standardized tests to prove that they're actually teaching their curriculum. So this usually gets in the way of innovation like using VR. Do you, do you assess VR experiences at all, or do you sort of hang your hat and say, you know what, we don't have to assess everything that kids do? Um, for me, I teach like high school, middle school in Norway. My students about age 14, 15 now. Uh, we don't assess like when they're playing like virtuality, but I assess because it's tasks connected to the virtuality. Like we did creative writing. They wrote about the different characters they met, and that one I assess. So they 
with doing like uh, introduction to the 9-11 and they were inside the virtual and then they had a task next to it. So I don't really assess them the virtuality experience. It's more the task they connected to the virtuality experience. And we also try to connect it to the curriculum. So it, it's mainly to enhance our learning. So it's not mm. like something we do next to the curriculum or something we do beside it. it it's actually connected to the curriculum we are having in, in these social science, geography, uh, history, and so on. So it, it, we, we use it as a tool to create, to create learning. Kim and Turge, you guys also have had some neat connections with some fairly high-flying, affluent universities. So, for example, I know you've established a relationship with Oxford University. And in that relationship, you've created a virtual room where teachers and Oxford professors can discuss the effects of VR and other pedagogical strategies. What are some of the discussions that you've either participated in or heard from in regards to this mutual relationship with Oxford? We did this a couple of years ago. Sadly, it did when the, the person that were connected to virtually, he, he got not job, it stopped. But we had like, they were very interested in what we were doing. I think that's one of the, the reasons, because there's actually not that many people doing virtuality in schools, especially with the COVID situation. I think people were, it was not that many people. So they were very interested in what we were doing and how we were getting uh, to do it. So they were, were mainly us showing what we were doing in virtuality. And they showed the, some of the, the, the research they were doing in Oxford on virtuality. So that was... Um, and we had workshops and so on, but that was one of the the, the problem. Virtuality is often connected with some people. Someone, some people are quitting. You don't really get to expand it because we had a lot of ideas on how to how to do it more, like getting teachers involved with with Oxford University. That's such an amazing resource, and they, they can discuss not just virtuality but other topics too connected to education. But it mainly. We had a couple of meetings, but then it, it, it stopped. But it was mainly us uh, showing them what we were doing with the students, showing, getting students to talk to them what we're doing. So we had students talk to, to people at Oxford University about their experience doing virtuality. And we, we did some workshop with um, professors that were interested in, in virtuality. Would you say Oxford is a leader in in this or is it something that you feel that you know they had like you said just one or a few professors and it's sort of fallen off the wayside uh i think that they're doing good work but i feel like also connected with some people stanford yep. might they have some really good um uh, work with the virtuality uh, i've seen some of the works they're doing but uh, it, it's hard to do to get um, really good control of it all because we did university and those, the, all the level of their research is often higher than what uh, high school, middle school teachers would be interested in. Um, there's not too much focus on the, the school levels. It's more like they're, they're higher up mm. how to use it in university and so on. So I think they're a little bit more interested in that, not mainly looking at what how they can do it in in uh, middle school, uh, I would say, but uh, they're they're doing some great work. I think the interest is getting more and more there because it, the technology is, is is easier to use now. Yeah, 
Kim, I want to sort of target this question to you because Turge has already alluded a bit to it. What would you say, Kim, to a school teacher that's reluctant to embrace this new medium or this, you know, a, amazing tool for learning? Uh, probably the last thing you said, <laughs> amazing tool for learning. But uh, yeah, that's a very interesting question. And I think that's also what we have been talking about now is also part of the problem often when utilizing a new technology. You see the, the tool as something that is new and it's exciting, but it almost, well, often it turns out just to be a, a gimmick. And then uh, you try it once and then, okay, that was fun, but how do I incorporate it? So I think uh, in regard to making a change, I think you need to see your students. Where do they live? Uh, In what world are they? Uh, Aren't we supposed to teach them about the society that they are in? Then we have Mm. to utilize also the tools so that they can connect with with others and not just be... uh, contained to the the classroom uh, the four walls of their classroom they need to open up uh, for other ways to teach kids uh, in the 21st century so i think also if you look at it uh, from a creative standpoint i think what better way can you use technology to be creative and then you also get motivated kids so i think that would be my speech turjay anything to add to that no, I think also that you should be using the students more and don't. I think one of the really cool thing about virtuality is you don't really know what what the answer you'll be giving. Give them a task in virtuality and come up with fifteen different solutions. And it's it's not just copying the teachers and getting the the answer from the teachers' knowledge. It's more making your own knowledge. I think that's also something that's really important. The students make their own knowledge. They come up with their own solutions. I think that. That's something that the, it's more and more demanded in the work life now that you come up with your own solutions, not by, just by copying somebody else's coming up with your own solution or stuff. I think that's something you can learn by using virtuality. Yeah, and a lot of teachers, we alluded to this early in the show here, is, you know, where, where's the content? And you guys have demonstrated in this podcast that, you have to be creative in regards to that. Like you don't have to always, you know, buy off the shelf content. There are platforms like Frame or Emidu where you can easily learn how to create your own virtual world or like you guys have been advocating for allowing kids the opportunity to create these virtual worlds. And as soon as you connect context to the learning, then obviously they remember it better. They're way more engaged. And so uh, I really applaud you two gentlemen because your story that you've spoke today is more about let's not go buy necessarily pre-purchased packaged content from some sort of vendor, but let's use a platform that's more open and creative to to meet some of the curriculum goals. Anything else that you think maybe we haven't really talked about or touched on that the audience might want to hear about your journey with VR? I think we covered most of it. There's always something that you should have said that you don't really remember, but I think we, we with your questions, I think you cover most of what we, we think about the virtuality. Gentlemen, how... 
Okay, go ahead, sorry. No, I think we, as Taya said, I think we covered most of it. It's uh, mainly if we could send a message, I think it would be to to not stop yourself from trying something else. Yeah, well said. And I, I agree, risk-taking is not necessarily in the pedigree of many teachers, but once you do take that risk, often you never regret it. So I appreciate that message. If people wanted to learn more about some of the amazing things that you guys are doing, how might they get a hold of you or see what you're doing as it pertains to VR? We are both on Twitter, on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, emails. Uh, it uh, shouldn't be too hard to get a hold of us. Um, we teach at uh, in Norway, so you can connect with our schools too. It's, but I think Twitter and uh, LinkedIn might be the best. On Facebook, we are we are pretty available, and we always answered uh, when people ask us about things. Yeah, we I'll love put, to share. So I'll put those links in the show notes when I I post the podcast, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me and then taking the time to tell your story, which I think more educators need to hear. There's a a little bit of hesitancy and reluctance, as Kim alluded to, when it comes to technology. But like you two, I just see that the value of VR, you know, comes from the kids. Whenever I take them into VR or we do something related to VR, I rarely get a kid that doesn't just be in awe or be so happy and enthusiastic. So we must be doing something right. Yeah. And that's what the students are telling me too. That when inside virtuality, everything else blocks out. They're inside it. It really feels real, and they can a lot easier to be concentrated inside virtuality. That's something my students have told me. Amazing, gentlemen. Have a wonderful day in Norway, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having thanks. us. Yeah, thanks for having us, and have a great day. My pleasure.